The world of construction is transforming before our eyes. How we design, plan, quantify and build is changing day to day. But it's never been so easy to connect, share and bring people together. Our industry is reshaping. So how do we develop relationships? How do we overcome our fears? How do we generate business? And how do we ultimately become the best version of ourselves? This is Measured, I'm McDonaghy, and my guest today is... On today's episode of Measured with McDonaghy, we are joined by Sean McGarry. Sean is currently the Managing Director of McGarry & Associates, a specialist quantity surveying consultancy based out of Perth, Western Australia, that focuses largely on the mining and resources industries. Sean has a Bachelor of Science in Quantity Surveying from the world-famous Trinity College in Dublin. With experience working with PQS firms and Tier 1 construction businesses like Leighton Contractors, Sean has worked on a variety of projects including commercial, civil and infrastructure, and resourcing projects throughout Australia. In 1996, Sean set up his own practice and from humble beginnings has grown into one of the most respected specialist quantity surveying practices in Western and Southern Australia. This was an interesting episode where Sean gives his unique perspective on success, what it was like growing his own business and what a QS actually does in the mining industries. I hope you enjoy it. Sean, how are you going? Thanks for doing this today. You're welcome. Um, Thanks for the opportunity, Michael. So we believe you can't improve what you don't measure. So how do you measure success, Sean? I sort of disagree ever so slightly with your statement. I I believe you can can improve what you don't measure. You just Mm -hmm. can't improve it. So a great example of that at the moment is um, productivity in construction. Yep. Safely improving productivity is a key component of a successful mining operation. Mm-hmm. It's a um, part of the mining business that um, a lot of companies are, are keen to achieve, that is um, improving productivity. So your statement is very apt, really. Um, there's no point in any company saying that they have managed to improve their productivity. Mm-hmm. They're actually measuring it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they are measuring it, and um, I have no doubt that they can successfully do that, um, mm-hmm. that's a great achievement. So what, what I'm really keen to, to talk about t- today then, Sean, is, is just going back and, and finding out a little bit more about you for, 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 for the audience that, that's listening out there. So sure. obviously I, I, can, I can pick up that you're a, a fellow Irishman like myself. How did you get started in, 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 the, in the world of, of construction, Sean? My dad is a QS, and um, he guided me towards that profession. I think like a lot of people coming out of school, I didn't really have a lot of an idea of what I wanted to do with myself. Um, mm-hmm. so my dad was really the only person who was providing any guidance or direction in, in that regard. So he had a lot of influence over um, what I ended up doing. So I, I ended up enrolling at um, Bolton Street College of Technology in Dublin. And mm-hmm. yeah, and here we are. 
<laughs> I, I always wanted to follow him in my old man's footsteps, but he was a plumber and he told me that I was never allowed to, to become a plumber. Is he, he was always working uh, crazy hours and, and, and stuff, you know, but that was the way things were, were done back then, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Where did you grow up? I grew up in um, Kilkenny, which, as you would know, is in the uh, southeast of, of Ireland. We call mm -hmm. it the sunny, the sunny southeast. Yeah. I grew up in the countryside there, yeah. Awesome. And what, what, what was your, your early life like? Did you have much exposure to, to construction through your early stages? I did in, during the summertime. I worked on a construction site just up the road from where I lived. It was a, um, a water treatment plant that was being built. Um, they were drawing water from the River Noor, which flows through Kilkenny. Mm -hmm. And a company called Mahana Mac Phillips were the contractor. My dad worked for them at the time. So he was able to get me a, a summer job there um, as the um, tea boy on, on that site, or nipper, as we called them. Um, yeah. I do remember that I did have the, you know, the task each day of cycling to the local shop, which was a few miles away, with a list of everything that the crews wanted for their smoko um, mm. lunch. And um, sometimes um, some of the workers would get hold of my notebook and write a list of things that they required at the local shop. Oh, yeah. most, most of which you couldn't buy there and a significant majority of which I, I can't even repeat to you. Um, <laughs> That's happened to me a couple of times. Like you, you need to go off and get me, a, get, 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 get us a long wait and, 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 and that sort of thing, you know? So, um, that, that's the school of hard knocks, uh, isn't it? You know, growing up on, on site. So obviously your, your father was, a uh, as a quantity surveyor, w w was that the sort of prime motivation for you getting in, into construction or did you fall into it like, like many people? Like I said, I think that was the prime motivation. I did not really know a lot about my first day at, um, at college. And in, in fact, our first lecture, my first lecture in college, day one, was provided to us by a gentleman by the name of Frank Hart. Mm -hmm. uh, he was an architect. He was also a traditional Irish musician. Oh, yeah. And he didn't like quantity surveyors very much. And um, <laughs> his, the subject he lectured in was technical drawing. He gave us the benefit of an insight into um, the course, etc. And, you know, um, what was in front of us. After after which he invited the people in the room to um, ask him any questions. And one of the guys said, um, Frank, can um, a quantity surveyor go to America and work? Which Frank replied, of course he can, mm -hmm. as a refuge collector. <laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't, he wasn't too, too impressed with the QSs then, was he? No, we used to, we obviously showed him up one too many times. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. So, so obviously you, you started your, 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 your diploma. What, what were the, the early stages like in, in your career once you started working? Very tough. Mm. I, I certainly remember, you know, trying to make ends meet was incredibly difficult. I, I worked with a company called um, 
Mulcahy, McDonough and Partners, who are still still going um, in Ireland. Um, they're one of the largest QS firms in Ireland. Mm-hmm. I worked in Dublin and, um, you know, I considered that I had, you know, more chance of, of making ends meet when I was a student, um, mm-hmm. relying on, on funds that I earned on construction sites during the summertime mm-hmm. than I had when in, in the first few years um, working as a QS. Mm. Having to make my own way in the city and pay, you know, my rent and and pay for a car, etc. Expenses, you know, obviously I had to pay rent as a student, but um, you know, I didn't need to have a car, so I didn't have one. Um, mm-hmm. I remember that, yeah, my salary, um, starting salary in Irish pounds at the time, I think it was five thousand pounds a year when I started. Mm. It's incredible. Like I know, I know that that, that nowadays, that, in, in saying that, you know, there, there's certainly a lot of great graduates and stuff out there. Um, but but many are going in at fifty five, sixty k. You know, that's probably you know the equivalent of yeah. what thirty thousand UK pounds. You know, which is probably something similar in euros. You know, so it's it's a world away from from how things were done when you you, you were starting off, Sean. Yeah. All those years ago, yeah. <laughs> I started my, my my recruitment career. I started on twelve thousand. Still not much better than that at the minute. So um, <laughs> it's just the way things go. Is that per person you recruited, or was that your salary? No, that was my salary. Jeez, we're, we're certainly not there yet. But um, so so what 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 was the motivator then for for you to to make your your move to to, to Australia? You're, you're based in Perth uh, at at the moment. What what was the the main driver for that oh um i left ireland to come to australia in 1987 and Mm -hmm. um, the construction industry in ireland was essentially on its knees at the time Mm i had been working for a few years as a qs in dublin no prospects of any promotion anytime soon yeah and to affect um you know redundancies were a commonplace at mm-hmm. the time. So I think rather than just wait until the inevitable happened, um, I decided to um, come to Australia um, to um, see if I could forge out a, a career here. Was that during the times where it was a lot easier to get visas and stuff like that? Like, was it quite <laughs> quite easy for you? No? no, no, it wasn't. I actually. Um, was born in New Zealand. Um, oh, yeah. My parents, both of whom are from Dublin, emigrated separately to New Zealand and met and married there. And then when I was a few years old, they decided to go back to Ireland. Um, mm-hmm. And in actual fact, I went to the Australian embassy in Dublin to make an application for a visa and filled in my form. And when I walked up to the counter and handed the form to the girl, she said, oh, um, you were born in New Zealand. I said, yeah. And she said, you're, you're one of us. Oh, yeah. You don't actually need a visa. All you need to do is get yourself a New Zealand passport. Yeah. And you're in. So I was... Nice. Yeah. My wife is, is Kiwi. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that if we ever have children, they're going to have plenty of options, you know, with her being Kiwi, us living in Australia, me, me being Irish, but also yeah. being born in the North. So you can also claim Br- Britishness as well. So yeah. a, a, a international um, individual. But um, so, you, so you, you've ended up 
founding and 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 being the the the, the director of of your own country surveying business, Sean. How did that come about? I think I, I've always been um, the type of individual that wasn't going to end up just working for somebody else all of my life. I I had a I suppose degree of ambition in terms of seeing if I could have a business of my own. Um, mm-hmm. And I was working with latent contractors, you know, CPB as they're now called. Mm-hmm. Time I worked for them for um, about nine years after I came to Australia, and mm-hmm. um, we had just finished building a very successful project in Bunbury. It was um, a concrete gravity substructure for the Wandu um, B oil platform. In, mm-hmm in the northwest i had moved down there with my wife for a couple of years that i worked on the project and Mm -hmm. we really liked the region Mm -hmm. there was quite a bit of construction happening in that southwest at the time Mm -hmm. mostly around large industries such as you know power stations aluminum refinery expansions coal and the like there were very few sort of construction professionals operating in that region. So I decided it was a good time to mm-hmm. um, hang my banner up. And, and that's exactly what I did. So, uh, so how did you come about getting your, your, your first project or your, or your first customer? That's because that's, I, I, I'm fascinated by that because I, I'm thinking back how I got my first customer and it was hard. So yeah. how, how did you get yours? Pure luck. Um, I was moving my furniture, which I purchased from latent contractors when they were demobilizing from the Wandu project. Nice. Uh, I bought the the project director's furniture, which is pretty pretty snazzy. (laughs) And I was moving that into my little office in Victoria Street there. Um, It was two or three sort of just one room offices adjacent to um, an essay coffee house in, in, at um, 80, 83 Victoria Street. While I was moving my furniture in, the person in the office next door poked his head in and introduced himself and asked me um, what my business was about. And I said, um, it's a quantity surveying business. And he said, that's great. He said, I need one of those. Oh, yeah. So, um, it turns out that um, his name his name was Paul Vukalik, and um, he was the um, owner of the Australian Shopping Centre. Oh yeah, uh, they were um, about to embark on expansion um, of that facility. So that's a bit of Irish luck, I, I reckon. You yeah. know, that's a, that's a, 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 that's that's awesome. So you, you get your first project, you get your first customer. What were the plans for the business initially? There wasn't a business plan. That came a couple of years later. An individual by the name of Dominic Van Gent helped me out with that. But at the time, the idea was to build the business to a stage where I could employ one or two other people and then you know, see how things developed from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and how has it developed since, since then? What, where, do you, where do you sit now as a business in terms of people and industries? Yeah, well, we focus pretty heavily in, in 
infrastructure, um, mostly road infrastructure, mm -hmm. but also mining infrastructure, mm -hmm. um, and also the mining sector from time to time, oil and gas. Mm -hmm. We do commercial projects too. The majority of our workload is in infrastructure and mining. Mm -hmm. But was that hard going into, you know, maybe coming from a construction background to move into something like mining? Is it different in, in any way? It wasn't really difficult from the company's perspective because we grew up in the southwest and mm -hmm. grew up in the mining sector um, with companies like um, Worsley Illumina and we had a colleague power station. Mm -hmm and working with main roads in the southwest. So in actual fact, when we migrated to Perth from Bunbury, I suppose the whole new world of clients opened up to us. Um, mm -hmm. And we already had quite a few runs on the board as far as delivering, successfully delivering projects in those sectors. Mm -hmm. For me personally, and I think for any quantity surveyor, the switch in, you know, from building in the commercial sector to the mining sector, it's a, a very sort of um, shallow learning curve, really. Um, the principles are exactly the same. What does a quantity surveyor do in, in, in the mining industry? In our case, a significant um, component of the work we do is in the early stages of, of project delivery, so in the study phase, mm -hmm. and predominantly estimating. Mm -hmm. um, we do have scheduling capabilities as well, and those two activities go hand in hand. So we, mm -hmm. we often are asked to deliver the estimate and the schedule through the various study phases. So the larger of the mining companies tend to have several gates which their projects need to advance through in order to receive funding. At each of those gates, an estimate and, and schedule and other mm. projects or um, design deliverables are, are necessary. Obviously, um, there is the post-contract side of things as well. And yeah. One of the areas that we promote very heavily mining companies is the measurement of productivity and, mm -hmm. and we've developed a very strong capability in that regard and the usual um, requirement for assessing the value of variations or remeasurement work etc and because the projects are often very large in, in comparison to the usual you know, commercial sector project um, mm -hmm. it requires a lot of resources mm, i can imagine when you went back, obviously, all these years ago when you started the business, you had an idea of it being, as you said, one or a couple of people after a while. How many people are in the business now? It varies, of course, depending, um, you know, we live in a very sort of cyclical business. These days, you know, when we're really quiet, we may only have as many as 10 people in, in the organization. But when we're very busy um, we will ramp up to 25 to 30. Mm -hmm. It's a crazy world isn't it in, in, in construction you're never never too sure what, what, what's around the corner as, as we've seen 
with the last 12, 12 months, when you're putting people together and you're building teams, how, how do you build a high-performing team, Sean? Obviously, people need to be motivated. That's a key part of it. If the people in the team are not enjoying what they're doing and they're not motivated, well, they're not going to perform. Mm -hmm. You've got to um, make sure that the people who are in the team um, are sufficiently skilled in the particular area that they're working. Um, mm -hmm. I've found from you know my my own experience that quantity spheres are reasonably well rounded individuals um, yeah. from a professional perspective. You know, in, in actual fact, I've found that. Um, QSs typically don't like to be pigeonholed. So in Australia, we tend to have people who specialize in, say, estimating or scheduling or post-contract contract administration, etc. A, um, a well-trained sort of QS will typically want to get experience in all of those areas. Mm -hmm. But they're not always necessarily good at them. Um, and, and they find out throughout their career that there are some things that they, that they don't necessarily like to do and, or they're not suited to. Mm -hmm. uh, estimating is probably a great example of that. So I think it's important to understand that, you know, you can't put square peg into a round hole. And if you have a team of people, one or two of whom don't particularly enjoy that aspect of quantity surveying, well, mm. you know, you're not going to get good performance from them. And it's yeah. very important to recognize that and either to provide them with the, you know, the additional training that they need or, you know, to, um, to, to give them a different task to do. Also, I think that in order to keep people properly motivated, they've got to have a clear um, career path. It's important to to um, treat people nicely and, and to care about them. Um, mm -hmm. If people come to work and they're of the mindset that they're just coming to work for the purposes of sitting down and generating outcomes, um, as opposed to being part of a team who contribute to the culture of the organization and are able to contribute at various in, in various different ways well you won't have them for very long you know mm. they'll move on so it's really important i think to for people to know that you care about them for people to have direction um and for you to understand enough about them so that um you're providing them with um work that's going to be meaningful for them I, I agree i agree totally with that sean i think um the, the, maybe one of the positives about covid is that it's kind of shifted the, the paradigm in, in many ways where people were wanting different things within businesses and, and, and stuff that really didn't really matter that much. But now it's come back to the fundamentals of you know, job security, good communication with, with their managers, mm -hmm. a strong career path, and, and also feedback. Getting, getting feedback every, every so often is, is, is really good. You know, that could... That could potentially retain a staff member for five more years than, than, than what, what it would have if, if, you, if you never give any feedback, you know. So uh, for, for you then, you know, when, when you're 
hiring someone? What what are the what is the difference for you between a, a a manager and a leader? You know, if you're trying to bring in a leader into the business, what does that look like for you compared to a manager? The word I would use um, or the phrase would be sort of strategic direction. Um, a leader is a person who can provide strategic direction, mm-hmm. uh, whereas a manager would not necessarily either be in a position to or be capable of, of doing that. Mm. You know, uh, that that's, a, that's, that's a great point, actually. For you then, obviously you, you've got a lot going on. You're, you're, you've got loads of clients and, 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 and developing business and managing the team. What, what does a typical day look like for you, Sean? Well, typically, like I will come to work quite late in the day and I'll go home pretty early to make up for it is my policy. Um, <laughs> it doesn't always work that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I say that in jest, obviously, I am, I'll typically start as early as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, probably, there aren't too many days that I'm not at the office before 7 mm-hmm. a.m., but I'd like to be finished by, you know, three thirty, four o'clock in the mm-hmm. day. Yeah. I think that, that, that that's the, that's one of the differences I I I notice about Australia is that people are so awake so early, you know. Yeah. Like I'm 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 awake from four four thirty five o'clock here when back in back in Ireland you you know that that's the middle of the night, <laughs> you know. Like there's no way I'm getting up at that time. So it's it's definitely one of the differences. Maybe a little bit of a healthier lifestyle in that way. How how do you manage you know those, those sort of work pressures with, with, with you know, the, the personal commitments? How, how do you get that sort of balance? Exercise is very important for me. Um, mm-hmm. I've met plenty of people in my, in my lifetime who don't exercise much and, and don't need to exercise much or don't appear to need to exercise much. I'm not like that at all. Um, exercise is really important for me. So most days I will either um, hop on my bike for an hour or I'll be in the gym for half an hour mm-hmm. or I'll be playing golf is in part exercise um, yeah. a healthy sort of um, balance um, between work and you know, leisure is really important mm. uh, when I do have leisure time I really um, enjoy uh, playing golf, fishing um, mm-hmm. Those sorts of things, yeah. I think that's so key in many ways is 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 exercise. And I know myself is that I, I go through high levels of energy and low le- levels of energy when it comes to 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 the gym. But if you can find that sort of consistency, you know, it, it brings the consistency out in your work as well. I, I always yeah. find, you know, like I'm actually going to go to the gym on on my lunch hour after this. So if you can find even as you said, thirty minutes in the day. It's it's incredible. Like my old man is he's sixty four. He's back in Ireland, back in lockdown. He's lost nearly twenty kilos since wow. since May, mm-hmm. and that's that's purely been from walking. So he just goes out every day and walks eight kilometers because he read somewhere is that that's how you lose how you lose yeah. weight. <laughs> There's always something that we we can do. Maybe on the on the motivation side of things, what 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 inspires you each day, Sean? It's a good question. If I um, sort of come home from a day's work, 
feeling like I have achieved something. Mm-hmm. Um, that is um, sort of motivation for me for the next day, if you like. But um, there definitely um, is a, a human aspect to it as well. Um, more and more so as I, I suppose, learned from experience about what it takes to run a successful business. And particularly in quantity surveying, it's all about people, you know. If I come home from work um, realizing that um, I have, I suppose, picked up on something that an individual or um, a team are are doing that um, is not necessarily relevant to the technical side of quantity surveying, but more the human aspect of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that really, that gives me a lot of enjoyment and, mm. and, and motivation. There's a saying that um, every single one of us are broken. Um, it's just really a matter of degrees. Mm. Uh, I think um, if you come to work realizing that and understanding that it's really about providing the support to people in the areas in which they're broken rather than coming to work anticipating that everybody is actually perfect um mm. then I, I think you're um a long way towards being you know having a successful day yeah no I, that's a that's a that's a really interesting point on the quick fire fire questions here to, to to finish up then sean if there was one person that you could have dinner with who, who, who would it be dead or alive it would be uh, phil Linnett from the band thin lizzie who you probably are, are oh yeah with. yep that's that's a, that's a good one yeah, yeah i guess you're a big fan then yeah um, I, I love music mm-hmm. um, music's a huge part of of my life actually um, it's only lately that I actually have realized how important music is to me. Um, if I um, meet people who, who don't have an interest in music, uh, it sort of astounds me how... how yeah. you know, That's how weird, I, isn't it? I, but I, it, yeah. We were, we were doing the, the, the COVID quizzes, you know, where you, everybody was in lockdown, so you're doing yeah. like an online quiz. And my, my, my old man, he's, he's obsessed with music. And I came to the music round and he'd always get like 10 out of 10 and then yeah. w- would win every week. So frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> For me, um, Spotify has been a, a massive um, sort of way of getting back in touch with the music that I loved when I was growing up, you know, yeah. and that I thought I had left behind because you move house, you leave your... One of, one of the hardest decisions for me when I move from one place to another is whether you took your record collection with you, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and typically it was one of those things that got left behind, you know, mm. because, because of the and moved into the CD. Same thing, they get scratched, they get lost. You lend them to people, you don't get them back, etc. Lately, um, having sort of uh, discovered Spotify, um, you just search those bands that you yeah grew up listening to and and um you're transported 20 back 20 years ago listening to um to that music yeah there's always there's always a story behind the song as well isn't there you know you know it's uh mm. it, it's oh, it's, yeah. 
it's it brings back that nostalgia for sure. But um, if if there was one book or film that that's changed your your view on the world, what 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 would it be? I think it would be a book, um, and the name of the book is um, is Imagine, mm-hmm. um, and the uh, author is a guy called Johan Leher. In actual fact, um, it was recommended to me by the lady who um, runs a business called About My Brain Institute. I don't know. Oh, yeah. ever... I, I guess it's. Uh, I kind of have an idea of what what it might be about. So. She was the keynote speaker at a conference I was at in in Fremantle. In it was it was a maintenance mining maintenance reform, and um, she blew me away with um, with her presentation. It was excellent, mm-hmm. and she reached out to all of the participants as a bit of a marketing exercise after the event, including myself, and said, "I hope you enjoyed." Um, my presentation, etc. I responded to her saying I was particularly interested in the, in certain subjects that she touched on, and could she recommend some literature? And she recommended this book. I searched high and low um, in the bookshops, and there are some really good bookshops in in Perth. They could all find it, but um, on their system, but it was um, out of print. Um, everywhere you know um there wasn't a copy you had but my wife who's an avid reader found a copy on amazon um and purchased it and um when it arrived it actually had a stamp on on the book saying um property of the um district of columbia i think it was or something <laughs> yeah. Somebody had nicked it out of a library and, <laughs> and sold well, it on Amazon. But, um, that's an entrepreneur. Yeah. What's the book about? It's mostly about um, creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, QSs, and I'm no exception, um, aren't renowned for our creativity. You know, we tend to think with the other side of our brain. This book sort of in, in part demonstrates to people like me how how to use all of our brain um, mm-hmm. yeah so i just find it fascinating well that's a i think that's a really positive way to to finish off the show so um thank you for for being a guest today on on on, on measure sean uh, i believe that everyone out there will get a lot of value from that yeah thank you very much michael and enjoy the rest of your day you too cheers sean Thank you so much for listening to Measured with me, Mick Donaghy. Our goal with this podcast is to create a community of construction professionals from a variety of backgrounds and experiences to develop, learn and grow together. As a business, our aim with Franklin Smith is to become the most respected pre-construction and quantity surveying recruitment agency in Australia within the next five years. Thereafter, our goal is to build a 100-year company that outlives us as owners, but lives on in the careers and legacy projects we recruit for. Listening to this podcast is being a small part of that journey, and we are forever thankful for your time. If you'd like to connect further with our ever-growing community, check out the Measured Facebook and LinkedIn pages. Thanks for listening to Measured catch you next time.